Welcome to episode 11 of the G2 on 5G, the latest inside scoop on everything 5G. We cover six topics in about 15 minutes and it's brought to you by More Insights and Strategy. I'm Will Townsend and joining me again this week is fellow analyst, Angel Sad. So let's get started. My first topic is around Nokia and Oran. And I spoke to this last week, but actually there was a formal announcement this week on their desire and their plans to deliver a complete solution by 2021. Um, I'm not surprised to see this. You know, Angel, you and I have talked about this in the past. Um, Nokia is, you know, likely in, you know, last place relative to its, uh, its, its peers. And this is an attempt for them, you know, to be very aggressive with the new technology. Now, certainly there are disruptive uh, opportunities with it from a CapEx perspective because you're eliminating hardware, moving a lot of things into virtualization and software but you're also gonna introduce complexity and um, that could potentially increase OPEX and you know, the difficulty in managing all that. Any, any thoughts on your side about that? Yeah, I think for me, it's really a question of like, how is, is, all, is most of ORAN targeted towards deploying 5G or is this also possibly targeted at 4G as well? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's interesting, you know, from, from my perspective, you know, you've already got the install base with, with LTE. I mean, there could be some densification there, but I would view this as sort of a 5G move, right? And what's also interesting is that, you know, most operators around the world are already in the midst of deploying the radio access network infrastructure to support 5G. So how, how do you, how do you introduce ORAN into the mix? I mean, do you ease it in? Is it, I mean, do you do some pilots, you know, and, and also, um, you know, Nokia might get some trials under its belt this year, but will it really be ready in 2021 with a solid solution? Yeah. And I think it'll be harder to do that. You know, I have no illusions about the fact that, you know, having COVID-19 may slow down, the potential for that to come in market. But, you know, it sounds like the statement was kind of a thing that was made recently. So it should be taking into account, you know, whatever slowdowns may exist due to COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see how things roll out. Hey, so your first topic this week, you want to touch on the, the release 16 of the 3GPP standard. I know we're going to do something a little more in depth on a future episode, but why don't you sort of take us through the highlights on this new release? Sure. So, uh, release 16 came out. Uh, it's finalized. Um, for some people who don't know, release 16 is essentially the second version of the 5G standard that has come out through 3GPP because 3GPP, what they do is they create the spec and then everybody follows that spec and that spec informs global standards like mm-hmm. the IMT, 20, IMT 2020 and, and such. And uh, release 16 is like the second phase of 5G. And the, the thing is, the, the big thing with, with this version of, you know, 5G is it, it adds a lot of the non-smartphone um, applications for 5G that allow for 5G to really apply itself in a way that's more than just smartphones and tablets and what mobile devices we already have today. So the six areas are, you know, around unlicensed spectrum, um, they're around you know, advancing power savings and mobility, helping with high precision, like positioning, like for AR. Um, you know, there's also stuff that's related to V to X, even some mission critical stuff for manufacturing and facilities, as well as new ways to deploy networks. So um, mm-hmm. we're going to cover it in more depth uh, in the future because there's so much to talk about and it won't fit very, very neatly in, in this short period of time. But what we will do is we'll talk about it more and 
Um, this is really the big release for 5G. There will be, they're already working on release 17, um, which will add even more capabilities. Um, but release 16 is actually very big because it broadens the scope of what 5G can do significantly. And it builds on, you know, re release 15, which introduced NSA and SA in the foundation. Yeah, so I look, forward to, yeah, I look forward to diving deeper into that with you on a future episode. Let's shift to my second topic this week. And I attended the uh, Amazon Web Services uh, Telecom Symposium. And, uh, you know, it's, it's no uh, secret that uh, Amazon has been focused on uh, wireless connectivity and services. And they've been, they've been testing the CBRS, um, you know, spectrum for, for, for some time now, since last year. And, uh, I, you know, my, some of my big takeaways were, number one, um, I'm impressed with the team that they have built. So they have brought industry veterans from the operator side and the infrastructure side from companies like Ericsson and Nokia onto the team. And so um, all of the leaders that presented have, you know, solid background and solid DNA and wireless. And, uh, you know, the other thing I'm very, you know, impressed with is that they're, they're focused on all the right ingredients. I mean, they're focused on 5G, obviously, but um, Edge, you know, there've been, there've been several announcements recently that both myself and Patrick Moorhead, our principal, have, have written on Forbes about. Um, wavelength last year, which sort of supercharges uh, edge computing and, and, and 5G, um, AI, um, automation. So they're, they're hitting on all the right ingredients. And I'm, I'm not certain if you've been following them, but um, it sounds like they're putting a pretty impressive team together to go after this. I, I haven't been following them as closely as you have, but I've been paying attention to stuff like, like Wavelength because I think the CSPs like AWS um, are ensuring that they have a position in the 5G network mm -hmm. because the reality is everything is right now, everything has a cloud component to it. And, you know, you can't do cloud unless you involve one of the big three CSPs, um, right. you know, excluding China. Um, and, and because of that, like AWS has to be competent. I, I mean, more than competent, they have to be proficient in, right. in 5G. And there's so many different components of it that, you know, they have to build all these different tools so that their partners um, and their customers can, can build services on top of that mm -hmm. to utilize 5G network in a way that's different than what we have today with 4G. Yeah, yeah. So I'll be spending more time with that team. I'm, I'm just getting, um, you know, introduced to, um, you know, executives there. And so, you know, I look forward to sharing more insights as I, uh, as I get to know that team further. So let's shift to your second topic this week. And You've talked about some of these GSA reports in the past, and there's a new one you want to talk about this week. Yeah, GSA has a lot of really good reports when it comes to you know um, market numbers, and they've they've got a new report out that talks about 5G devices, mm -hmm. and they basically said that there's 317 uh, 5G devices in the market, uh, up from 112 in May. Uh, 135 of those are phones, uh, with 95 of those. 135 phones have already been revealed. Um, 85 of those are CPE devices, 49 are modules, 22 are hotspots, five are laptops, and 21 are other devices, like drones or, or vehicles. Um, and then 76% of those 5G devices support sub-6, and 26 support millimeter wave, and 20% support both. Um, and I think these numbers are, um, they're pretty good considering we're still really in the first year. Um, mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people started the clock in April of last year, 
when you know all the markets started to roll out. But I, I really don't consider um, the first year to have been until maybe the, the end of last year. So I think by the end of this year, we should really be able to look back and say, you know, what was the first year like? And it, and it looks pretty promising. Um, you know, 20% of devices supporting millimeter wave and sub six is important. I think that number is yeah. only going to go up. Yeah. Um, it should, I mean, the cost of millimeter wave is still an issue for a lot of people. And I completely understand that. And especially right. when you consider how few markets um, are, are really have millimeter wave deployed um, in, in a meaningful manner, that it makes sense there isn't that much millimeter wave. But I think yeah. long term, millimeter wave is going to be super important to have, especially in places where you have, you know, high density, um, you know, networks, where, like, you know, in, the, in a big city, an urban mm -hmm. environment. Um, and I think that, you know, you're going to have people wanting to have access to that network, even if they don't live in that place, but when they come to the city, they want to be able to use it. So yeah. um, I think long-term, this is good. It's positive. And I, I don't recall 4G having that many devices when, in the first year. So yeah, yeah. I don't either. Yeah. Actually that number, you know, the, the number, the 20% number supporting both sub six and millimeter wave that actually, that surprised me. That, that seemed higher than I would have expected. To your point, really, the United States has really been, you know, the only, you know, significant market that's been investing. And I think a big part of that is also a lot of the um, fixed wireless. So I think having fixed wireless using millimeter wave is a big component of that, of that as well. Good point. And, um, you know, fixed wireless is still 5G. So yeah. it, it's, it's going to, you know, I, I think long-term millimeter wave is going to, be a much bigger chunk of the market just because band, bands are going to become more available, hardware is going to get cheaper. It's natural progression. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, let's shift to my third topic this week, and it's, uh, it's around Verizon and their announcement on um, a trial around their 5G standalone core. And, uh, you know, I've got some of the details from the press release right here, but um, you know, they're focused on virtualized and containerized 5G core. Um, um, they believe that, you know, it's integral to enabling dynamic resource allocation through network slicing and mobile edge compute, which I agree, and that it's going to provide them a web scale architecture uh, to provide them, um, you know, um, you know, headroom and growth for the future. So I agree. I mean, this is getting us closer to the promise of <laughs> real 5G, right, you know, because today we've got non-standalone and, you know, eventually when we, you know, progress the core to standalone, we're going to see the true benefits with latency and performance. I know that you follow this quite a bit. What are your thoughts, Angel? Um, I think it's super important, right, because if you have a millimeter wave network and you want to show off your low latency and high speeds, you need to, you need to get yourself, you know, on SA as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, you're going to see a lot of a lot of networks switching over to SA, but you know, by the end of this year, um, you know, it, it, sh it should have started earlier this year, you know, Q1 or Q2, but because of COVID, I think a lot of things got delayed. Um, but we're still going to see tons of SA networks this year. And it's just because, you know, there's the infrastructure vendors are enabling it and there's going to be devices and the network has to support it for the device to use it. So, um, you know, it's a chicken and egg kind of thing. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Well, let's shift to your third topic this week, and it's around Ericsson, and it's also focused on their standalone software architecture. Yeah, so uh, earlier this week, they released their standalone software, 
Um, and that's basically kind of like the update to their software that enables standalone on hardware, um, specifically radio system equipment, um, up to devices manufactured in 2015, which, you know, I think is part of the reason why a lot of companies, if they're really forward thinking, you know, a lot of them will consider Ericsson because it gives them that forward upgradability. Um, and I think, you know, mm -hmm. them having that already released last month, and this is kind of like a public release of it, um, yeah. they, they've already got it working in uh, T-Mobile and the Telstra and testing it right now. And, you know, the thing is, is that they, they're claiming that SA 5G devices that are connected to an SA network are actually going to be able to connect to the network six times faster than an NSA mode. Um, mm -hmm. So that's a, that's a huge improvement. Um, being able to connect to the network faster means lower latency. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the promise of 5G really is being able to deliver these lower latencies so that your applications and your users are unaware that they're even on a wireless connection. I agree. Good stuff, my friend. Well, another great uh, podcast this week. Why don't you take us home? Absolutely. We hope that our viewers and listeners this week found this week's topics interesting. And if anyone out there would like to reach out to us and provide some insight on the specific 5G topic they'd like us to cover in a future podcast, please reach out to both of us on social media. Will is at Willtown Tech, and I'm at Anshul Sog on Twitter. And we hope that you guys have a great weekend and please tune in again next time.